Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, Ryan. You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
Do you want to die young? Get to that in a second. We have quite a show today. We're going to talk about drinking booze out of your dead enemy's prosthetic leg. We're going to talk about the next battle in the culture war you probably don't see coming, but it is coming. I'm telling you it's coming. I'll tell you what that is in a little bit. And the system, you know, I talk all the time about the system, how it's all one system, media, education, Democratic Party, half the Republican Party, Hollywood. It's it's all one gigantic system now, federal bureaucracy. I'm about to tell you where they're going next so you can be ready for it. I'll give you a little preview of that. But first, you know I love my... Cowboys and Indians stories. I do. I always have. I always will. We will always tell them. And when I say Cowboys and Indians, this is what I mean. I love the epic struggles between a more modernized, organized nation and tribal peoples. I find it fascinating. I like a good underdog story. I don't always root for the underdog. I don't always root for, for, for the modern country. When I was a kid playing Cowboys and Indians with my friends, I'm not even sure if they still do that now. You probably have to say cow persons and indigenous peoples. But either way, when I was a kid, we would play Cowboys and Indians, and I was fine either way. I loved being an Indian. I loved being a cowboy. They're all fine with me. But when I say tribal peoples, I mean all over the world, not just America, because this struggle has happened all over the world, North America, which includes obviously Mexico, Cortez, the Aztecs, South America, Africa, which is where we're going today, Asia, Europe. You see, you think tribal peoples and you automatically think people with darker than pale, pale skin color. You shouldn't. It was just the white tribal people that got taken over earlier than others. Remember the Gauls? What color do you think the Gauls were when Julius Caesar was carving them up like a blowtorch through butter? The history of mankind, the reason I don't get sentimental about it either way, I just love the stories. The, re- the history of mankind is modern nations, more technologically advanced more organized nations conquering people who aren't as technologically advanced, aren't as organized. Whatever your history is in your life and people you love, just know this. It's all inevitable in the end. The technologically advanced, the organized, they will defeat you and take over because... It's all about power. Do you have it? Do you have the power to stop them? Or don't you have the power to stop them? Because all the rest of this is just window dressing. Let's go to Africa. Africa, 1800s. This is prime time colonial period in Africa. 
And it has been for, for, for quite some time. Remember that whole age of exploration thing where they were trying to get over to India to get in on the spice trade, trying to get around Africa, eventually did get around Africa. And part of that process was you're creating little towns, little colonies along the African coast where your ships can stop and resupply and then ships stop and resupply a lot. And eventually someone thinks, whoa, you know what I should do? I should invent the, the, the 16th century version of a gas station here so I can make some money while they stop and resupply. And then eventually that guy has kids and those kids need a school. And before long, you have a town there. And this happened time and time and time again. Wasn't just England, who we'll be talking about today. Many, many, many countries did it. Netherlands, so on and so forth. But today we're focusing on Britain. Because Britain eventually took over Cape Town. And Britain began expanding. And as you begin expanding, this is how this, this, is how this colonial process works lots of the time. Sometimes it's overt. Sometimes it's big, bad, modern country steps in. And says, guess what? I like all this land. You tribe, you are either working for us or you're going to die or you can get out. And it's just that simple. But lots of the time, it has economic reasons behind it. You see, Britain got nestled in down there. And what do they discover? They discover diamonds. Well, this, this, this place has diamonds. Uh, we're going to need some more troops down here. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and expand just a little bit. Yeah, this tribe can move out of the way. This tribe can move out of the way. Excuse us, we are coming through. They eventually establish a place called Natal. Now, let's set the English aside for a moment and go to our opponents. The English opponents, not our opponents. I've never met one to my knowledge. The Zulus. You see, the reason I don't get sentimental about history is because people are all the same. They're all the same. Yeah, I pick my sides because cultures are not all the same, but in general, they all take the same path. Yes, you know, I love my Indian tribes, my, my native tribes of, of various, various nations, have my favorites here in America, Comanches and others, even though they were violent, extremely. Kind of what made them cool. But you see, they're always taking over each other too, dominating each other too, running each other out of wherever they can too. I don't buy into this saintly version of history of the evil white European colonizer and the downtrodden native who just wants to be at one with the land and smoke his peace pipe. That's such a bunch of crap. At this point in Africa, or slightly before this point, I should say, a tribe arose. They were the Zulus. They ended up getting a great leader or two, and they figured out certain things about warfare, about organization. And like so many, and I don't judge them for this at all the same way I don't judge the British, they look around one day and they say, wow, tell me what's stopping us from taking over that tribe and then taking over that tribe and then taking over that tribe. And the answer is nothing. 
Don't give me your laws. Don't give me your traditions. Don't give me a that would be a big meanie McMean face thing to do. I want to know what will physically stop me from taking over that tribe. And if you can't give me an answer, I'm going to take over that tribe. The Zulus were absolutely curb stomping all the other tribes in Africa. They were just these awesome warriors. Awesome warriors. And we can get a little biased on our side when it comes to tribes, too, and think about them in one of two ways. This is what we do. We do this with American Indians all the time. We do it with Africans. We do it anywhere there's a, there's a native tribe. We, do, we go one of two directions. Either we think of them like these guerrilla fighting super warriors they're basically Batman. You, you can stare at one, and then if you look away for half a second and look back, he'll have disappeared because he can melt into the sand. Uh, hang on. We need to address that. We need to address that before we get drinking, get to drinking booze out of a leg and other things. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Natural medicines, holistic healing approaches, they are known to alleviate things like joint pain, anxiety, headaches, sleeplessness, and more. I like this. I choose this. That's why I've chosen CBD. But... The CBD world can be confusing. I know it can be confusing because I've bought plenty of it. And it's everywhere now, especially where I live. You can buy CBD at the local rundown gas station. I'm not making that up. How, how can you figure out which one to buy? Well, I don't have to figure it out anymore. Doctors Trusted CBD Company, they figured it out for me. They went out, researched the whole industry, and picked only the best. That's what you find at DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE when you go there. That gets you free shipping and 10% off. We do two things in our minds, and a lot of this is a product of Hollywood and books and, and things. We do two things in our minds when it comes to native peoples. We either consider them to be, like I said, Batman, where they can melt into the ground. But they're basically Predator, where they're camouflaged at all times. Or, on the other side, we consider them to be just absolute morons. They'll just, look, they, they have... Nothing but spears, which is often true. It actually is true today, but they don't do tactics or anything. They're just going to line up and paint their faces and yell a lot when they run. And that's not true either. Again, they're just people. Experienced tactics. Know what they're doing. Not gods. Not all super ninjas. Not all the same. Remember, I'm going to tell you today on the show where the next cultural battle is heading in its 
horrifying. And I'm going to tell you what the system is getting ready to do. But before we get to that, back to Africa. Britain is stomping its way through Africa, expanding, and they find themselves butting right up against the Zulus. Remember, the Zulus were just dominating everybody. And this is 1879. In 1879, Britain still owns about one-fourth of the world. Yeah, they're powerful. They're powerful, and they're modern. The really, really smart nations use their wealth and power to advance technologically and advance their weaponry. Britain was no different. So Britain, they had developed something a breech-loading rifle. You've seen enough. You've seen enough Civil War movies, Revolutionary War movies, that you know what a muzzle loader is. I don't have to elaborate for you. In some shape or form, you're pouring black powder in some bullet. Usually, it was a ball, but I'm not going into any of that. Down the muzzle of a weapon, and then you're grabbing that stick thingy, majigger, and you're jamming it down there. And I'm, that, that's about it, right? Well, a breech. Loading rifle loads the bullet in the back by your face much faster, and it's a completely encased bullet, meaning they just pull out. That, very similar to what you would see today, not identical, but similar to what you'd see today. You pull out a bullet, throw it in, fire away. The difference between being able to shoot 10 shots a minute and one shot a minute is huge humongous and they had developed a martini henry breech loading rifle i only give you the name not because you need to remember it in case you're sitting in front of a computer and feel like looking it up at this point in time you want to look at what they were shooting here in africa during this battle it's the martini henry breech loading rifle they had artillery they had horses they had logistics and they decided well We need to go to war with these Zulus. So they didn't want to. Remember, the colonial powers often wanted to look benevolent about it. And while I don't apologize, I don't don't feel bad for the downtrodden natives. I also don't excuse the motivations of the colonial powers either. They were always trying to gain money, power, and influence, you know, but doing it the right way. And this, in this case, was no different. Butted up against the Zulus, gave the Zulus some ultimatum, which they could not possibly hope to follow. England says, hey, man, we tried to negotiate. I guess it's war then. And they prepare for battle. The British troops are heavily, heavily, heavily armed and highly experienced. So are the Zulus at the time. The Zulus are a militia. You know, like the one we're supposed to have here in America? You know who the militia is supposed to be? Thomas Jefferson said this. You and me. Thomas Jefferson famously said, who is the militia? It is the whole people. Here's something for you. We'll get to this a little later on today. I don't care how things are going, good or bad, in, in here in America. You and I have an obligation as citizens to train with our weapons. Did you know that? 
You are obligated. You're part of the militia as an American citizen. You are. It's not supposed to be for someone else. It's supposed to be for you. It's supposed to be for me. And I'm not pointing fingers. I have times that, look, I've gone six months without going to the range. I'm, I'm not pointing fingers. We have an obligation to do this. Don't get me sidetracked on today's news. Back to the Zulus. Zulus are a militia. They're not a full-time army. They can't afford to be. They're, you know, it's, it's, it's cattle. It's farmland. But they do gather together, as militias do, often to train. So they are experienced fighters, and they are really experienced training together. And this is going to come into play today. This is not some fly-by-night group. Britain timed their invasion of the Zulus for harvest season. They thought they were being very slick because the Zulus wouldn't be together training. They'll be all home harvesting the crops, can't organize in time, except the Britain knew just enough about the Zulus to get themselves in trouble. Yes, it may have been harvest season, but this particular time was during what was called the First Fruits Ceremony. Don't worry about remembering that. But that is essentially all the Zulu warriors got together at that time to train together. They screwed the whole thing up and invaded when the Zulus were all together and armed to the teeth. (laughs) But even if Britain had known, they wouldn't have been worried about it because they looked down on the Zulus And they looked down on them, let's be frank about it, for a good reason. Not for skin color reasons, although I'm sure there was some of that. I don't know anything about that. Sure, there was plenty of it. They looked down on their fighting ability because they had fought African tribes. They'd fought native peoples before around the world and always came out on top. And I mean always. We are Britain. We don't, we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose to a bunch of African tribes. They just simply didn't have any respect for the Zulus or tribal peoples. And it's understandable. Nothing in their past had shown them they should respect it. We'll be disciplined. We'll be good. We'll do our thing. But, I mean, it's an African tribe. What are they going to do? Spear us? Uh, Hang on to that. Hang on to that thinking for a moment. Britain, Britain invades, and it starts to rain. You see, this is rainy season, and remember, this is 1879, not 1979. They're not driving in tanks and trucks. They are still very much old school, even though this isn't that long ago. You want to haul your men, your supplies, your artillery pieces around. You have oxen, lots of them. You have oxen plodding through the mud. You have oxen. You have to cross rivers with them. What happens to rivers when it rains? This is a long way of saying the British invasion is slow. They don't know this land like the Zulus know this land. And they're plodding through, and Britain does what so many people do. In fact, it's smart militarily. They divide their invasion into three prongs, very similar to Hitler's invasion of of Russia. Is it going to have the same result, though? 
We'll talk about that. We'll talk about where the culture is going and more. Hanging up. Split into three groups, invade Zulu land. It's going slow. They're bogged down in the rain, but it's going fine. No problem yet. They set up a camp. One of the columns sets up a camp. Remember, we're going to talk about drinking booze out of a leg a little later on. Ugh, gosh, that is absolutely gruesome. I'm going to talk to Daniel Turner about if Biden's elected, if if Kerry gets swept in like we're assuming he will, what's that mean for the climate change garbage? We'll talk about that in a little while, next hour. Back to the Zulus. The Zulus are waiting. They're waiting in mass. There's over 20,000 of them, and the British are now split up. They set up this camp. The camp... Is at the base of I don't I definitely don't want to call it a mountain. You can go look at it right now. It's more of a extreme hill. And I'm going to screw up the pronunciation. You're going to have to live with that. Islandiwana. It's spelled island islandiwana, although it's one word. Islandiwana. They they set up there or at least close to there. Only they don't do because of their lack of respect. For the Zulu, they don't do the one thing you have to always do when you set up a camp of fortification everywhere. They don't even bother to dig in. You see, the British had, for so long, won so many of these battles against indigenous peoples around the world, they just had gotten to a point where they didn't respect their opponents so they didn't dig holes they didn't even circle their wagons up to have some sort of fortification they just were there here oxen go graze they start sending out scouting patrols they leave 1300 men back at the camp but i want to be clear about two things here the 1300 men they left back at the camp were not Just a bunch of cooks and mail clerks. They left seasoned warriors at that camp. Also, some of the people at that camp were other African tribes. Now, let's pause there for a moment because it goes back to one of the original points I made and a point I'll always make. Don't get caught up in this white guilt history that is taught almost universally in schools these days. It is a lie. It is an anti-American lie to try to get everybody to hate themselves. You know why there were a bunch of African tribes, about 400 of them fighting with the British that day? Because they're all the people who'd been slaughtered by the Zulus and run out of their own land. They were considered to be refugees. 
There aren't these good guys and bad guys in history. There's conquered and there's the conqueror. And that's just a fact. The British send out scouts and they start running across patches of Zulus. Nothing to be concerned about yet, but they start running across patches of them. Eventually, one of the units on horseback, they see a, a significant patch of Zulus heading toward the camp, but they don't freak out about it because they don't see that many. They simply send a rider back to the camp saying, hey, just a heads up, there's some Zulus heading your way. Camp says, oh, okay, well, some doesn't sound like it's going to be a problem. Remember the lack of respect? And the Zulus, of course, remember, don't ever think of them like a bunch of morons just holding some shields and spears, no idea what they're doing. They find a way to sneak close enough to this camp so the camp can't really get a good grasp on how many they are. And then it eventually dawns on the 1,300 men at the camp. They're facing 20,000 Zulus. And these 20,000 Zulus are making a lot of noise as warriors do in combat. It's both to inspire you and to intimidate the enemy. And one of the British troops later on said as he looked down on it, it looked like a swarm of ants heading towards the camp. And the Zulus have a formation. It's it's essentially they were famous for it. It looked like a bull where they had horns on the side that were aimed at flanking you and then a big chest in the middle. And the Zulus began to come at these British. But remember, these are not a bunch of uh, scared little kids in this British camp. These are seasoned fighters. They begin to rain fire down on the Zulus. And the Zulus, yes, are dropping, but these aren't idiots. They're figuring out the British have to reload. The British have times where they run out of ammo and more ammo has to come up. So the Zulus charge and then find a rock or lay down and prone out until the British are done shooting. Then get up and charge again. It's not like you see in the movies where they just run at a dead sprint across 500 yards. You'd be so gassed you couldn't fight at the end of that anyway. It's 10 meters at a time, 20 meters at a time. Closing in, closing in, closing in. By this point, the British are still confident because they are laying down fire. They are killing plenty of Zulus. And because the Zulus aren't on them yet, you haven't really lost a man. If you're the British, they don't have, they don't have weapons that can get you from a distance. So what's the problem? Well, the problem comes... When one of the British units on the line, they're in danger of being overrun because the Zulus are so close and they have to beat a tactical retreat back inside of the camp. Tactical retreat means you don't just throw down your weapon and turn around and run. You're shooting as you back away. So they didn't do anything wrong, but what they did do was expose the flank of another British unit. Now the Zulus go swarming into the the flank of that British unit and British soldiers begin to die. And this is the part of the story 
where you have to put yourself there. Not that there's a pleasant way to die in combat, but you're watching your friends die with a spear in their face. It's just different. You're being swarmed. You're being speared. Panic begins to set in. They, by all accounts, including Zulu accounts after the British really, really acquitted themselves well, found themselves retreating clear back into the camp, and now it's a scene straight out of Custer and the Little Bighorn where they are in circles. They are gunning down Zulus as the Zulu swarm pours over the camp. At one point in time, the British begin to look around calling for ammunition and... It's gone. There's no more ammunition to call up. And what what does that moment feel like when you are technologically superior by a large margin over the people you're fighting and in a moment you're not? What does that moment feel like when it dawns on you? Well, this rifle, this super fancy advanced rifle just became a club and a spear and nothing more. Hang on. I'm going to tell you where this thing ends and where the system is going. Hang on. something there's a podcast get it on demand wherever podcasts are found the jesse kelly show one in three adults has pre-diabetes one in three that means it could be you your football buddy your football buddy or you your best man your worst man you your dog walker your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. What's that moment feel like when you're surrounded and the ammo is running out? One observer of this, remember I talked about the ants swarming over the camp? 
said the creepiest thing was hearing all the shots that were coming out of the camp, you know, boom, 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 boom. And then they're slowing down. Boom, boom, boom. Then it's just a sporadic one or two. And then they stop completely as the ants swarm in. The fighting got to back to back again. Your weapon just becomes a spear. We're going to get to our drinking out of a leg here in a moment, by the way. Apparently the British did fight to the last man. There weren't cowards there, people running to escape. They did try to save the colors, but those men died too. 1,300 men there, 1,300 men dead. The worst disaster, I believe, not numbers-wise, but the worst disaster considered to be in the history of England. The Zulus won that day. But back to our question in the beginning. Because I hear these stories a lot, and these are awesome stories. Again, that's called the Battle of Island Iwana, if you want to look it up. It's fascinating. Do you want to die young? What I'm saying is after this battle, obviously this was a it was it was so embarrassing for Britain, they actually covered it up. There were basically no survivors anyway. I think 60 people for various reasons had made it out. The Zulus didn't want to kill any of, you know, the camp helpers and the camp helpers wore dark uniforms. Well, some of the British troops, only a few had dark uniforms and they were confused to be camp helpers. So they let them live. But it was something like that. Otherwise, no one would have lived. Britain's so embarrassed they don't talk about it. But they are enraged at the highest levels. And now they take this, what they viewed as basically a border, a border skirmish between some tribes. Now they're sending in the troops and they just wipe out the Zulus. Then it ends. So in the end, Zulus go down because of this battle, really. What should they have done? What do you as a modern American who's lost your culture, you have, what do you have an obligation to do? What do I have an obligation to do? How do we exist here? You see, the Zulus could have just basically laid down, lost their way of life, and lived. Or they could do the thing we love, the thing we like to make movies about. Let's get 20,000 men together and go kill some Brits. But that virtually guarantees we're going to be wiped out. Now, I know which one you admire. It's the same one I admire. I'm going down with the, just the ship, baby. We're, we're going down. I'm going to take as many of them with me as I can. And I admire that, too. I'm just like you. I get it. But a long life means something, too, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Let's not discount... Long life guy. Let's not discount all those leaders. Look, we're talking about tribes today. So let's let's not discount all those tribal leaders who gathered their people together and looked at things and thought to themselves, "Well, I don't I don't like these invaders either, but I want my kids to see adulthood. 
I want my grandkids bouncing on my lap one day, so I guess we're just going to have to kind of endure. Are, is that guy wrong? Can you honestly say that guy's wrong? Have you ever had to make a decision like that in your life? And I'm asking this because as you assess where we are culturally, and we're going to talk about the next culture war here in just a few, as you assess where we are culturally, we have to make decisions on how much we exist within this culture that is rotting underneath us, and it is. Let's not sugarcoat it. The culture is rotting underneath us. How much do you exist in it? At what point do you decide, I've had enough and I'm fighting back? And understand what fighting back means. What if you went out today? What if you're a small business owner? We're going to talk about what this... L.A. City Councilwoman did, L.A. County Supervisor. What if you're a small business owner and you've had enough of this lockdown hysteria and the, and the hypocrisy and you're opening your business today? And don't get me wrong, I think you all should because they can't arrest all of you. But what if it's just you? We're only talking about you right now. And you've had enough and you're opening up your business today. and You, you can't take this anymore. I like it. Admire it. Let's... Also consider what that means. Let's take a moment and consider what that means. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Understand what standing up against this corruption, this idiocy, what it means. It means you're walking out in handcuffs, maybe. You're losing whatever license you had to get for your business. How much money do you have? People think small business owners are made of money. You got 50 grand for a lawyer? A hundred? More than that, on a personal note, 
What are you prepared in your life as far as family, friends go? Are you ready for that phone call from your mother? Are you ready to call your wife? Honey, I need you to come bail me out of jail. You ready to have your kids see your name in the newspaper, have their friends in school talk about how dad was arrested? What are you prepared for? All right, time to talk about culture war and drinking booze out of a leg. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. The system is about to sell you on something. They're about to start pushing something, all of them, everything. And remember, when I talk about the system, I'm talking about the one train of thought that runs through the entire media, the Democratic Party, the education system, half the Republican Party, Hollywood, they all, have you, you ever find it funny how they're all saying the same things all the time? That's because they are the system and it's about to start pushing something towards you. I'll get to that in just a second, but I do have to take a side note and address this. An article came out. This is in the New York Post. And this is the headline. Photo shows Australian soldier drinking out of Taliban fighter's prosthetic leg. And it begins, a disturbing photograph has emerged of a member of Australia's special forces guzzling beer from a prosthetic leg of a dead Taliban soldier at an unauthorized bar in Afghanistan, according to reports. The senior elite soldier who's still on active duty was captured in the sick sculling act at the Fat Lady's Arms watering hole, which was set up inside Australia's base in Tyrant Cot in 2009, The Guardian Australia reports. And you see where this is going, blah, 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 blah. First, because Chris is already waving his hands asking an unauthorized bar. Let me clarify. 99% of the time, you're not allowed to drink in a combat zone. This is not like you see in the movies in Vietnam. I'm sure there was plenty allowed back then where they're dropping off cases of butt heavies while you're at the base camp and everybody's just getting hammer housed. Those days are gone in this new touchy-feely society. You can't do that anymore. However, young men 
Young type A troops are what they are, and they like to drink. And if you think they're going to exist for six months at a time, a year at a time, without decompressing and the way they want to decompress, you are insane. I'll put it to you this way. My buddy had his 21st birthday when we were in Baghdad, still at war. Everything absolutely banned. There's no alcohol purchases. This is a country that, I mean, at this point in time, there wasn't even a store you could buy it. There was just, everything was banned. You certainly couldn't buy it. We couldn't even get mail yet. Mail was coming in sporadically, and yet we sat him down and got him Hammer housed on the night of his 21st birthday, life finds a way. And at these special forces, at these elite soldiers, spec ops compounds, they all have an illegal bar somewhere. Every single one of them with all the booze they need. So let's just clarify that right now. I don't care what some college boy, Washington, D.C. paper pusher thinks is the right way to do things. These guys are going to get what they want. That's one. Two. You ready to have a serious talk? This is going to cause many of you to just simply nod your head and say, oh, yeah, that's true. And it's going to cause some of you to think, oh, that's not that's not true. That's just. That's just you talking. That's just a special case. Let me let me tell you something. The reason we talk about culture wars, and this is we're going to talk heavily about culture war here in just a little bit, but is because culture does matter. It influences you. It influences how you think about things. Influences your values. In the, our culture, especially our media, our movies. They sell you on this idea of the special forces soldier. Is, he's always Captain America, isn't he? His teeth are perfect and white. And he says, yes, ma'am, and no, sir. He would never dream of taking a life unless he absolutely had to. I mean, maybe some Nazis, but gosh, he's nothing unless he had to. He, of course, only has one love of his life. He doesn't, he would never speak, he would never speak in a crass way about women. Gosh, he's, he's Captain America. And his abs are perfect. He doesn't have, oh gosh, he doesn't have tattoos. Ew. That's a fantasy. That only exists in the movie. I was not one of these fancy spec op super ninja types. Let's just be clear about something. I was a Marine grunt. I do know several of those fancy types and several other Marine grunts. These dudes are rough dudes. They cuss every other word. They have tattoos, sometimes really bad ones, all over their bodies. Yes, They would die for your sister because they are brave men. At the same time, they will speak about her in ways you do not enjoy right in front of you. Rough men go do these things. 
rough men. They live lives that you and I do not live. They don't have Taco Bell and Starbucks right up the road. They're not sitting in a climate-controlled environment right now. He just got out of a cave in Afghanistan where he had to shoot somebody in the face. They live differently. They are different. And you have to accept the good with the bad and accept, and I'm sorry, celebrate the warrior mentality. I hear about some Australian spec ops dude guzzling a beer out of some dead Taliban's prosthetic leg. And you know what I think? Cheers, my brother. That's freaking awesome. I told you before, I know of some unit out there unofficially known as the face eaters. I'm going to go ahead and not elaborate why you can use your imagination. Drop this childish notion that you get from Hollywood about Captain America. And yes, I love Marvel comic books as much as the next man. That's what I grew up with too. That's a complete figment of your imagination. And you know what? This is really going to make it uncomfortable for you. If I found a guy, and I have met a couple, if I found a guy, perfect teeth, perfect everything, yes, ma'am, no, sir, you know what I would think about him instantly? I would think, I don't want that guy leading me in combat. I don't trust him at all. He looks like a guy who just wants to be a senator one day. I'm going to set this aside now. I'll tell you what, I'll bring it up with BK later on in the show because he was one of those fancy spec op types. In the third hour, we have BK coming. Air Force PJ, former Air Force PJ. I'm going to ask him to elaborate on the type of men these are. BK comes on here, and sometimes he talks about some rough, ugly things, especially rougher than I usually talk about on this family show. He might do it again today. That's who goes and kills people on behalf of your country. All right. Culture war time. I'm telling you what's next, and it's ugly. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Natural medicines, holistic healing approaches. These things didn't just pop up. This is kind of the history of the world. And they're known, known to help alleviate issues like anxiety and headaches and joint pain and more. That's why I've gone that route. That's why I've chosen CBD. But I needed to know which CBD because they're not all created equal. Well... Doctors trusted CBD, researched the whole industry, and found the best ones. That's why they teamed up with B-Best Organics, which is made in the USA. If you want quality CBD, not ratty stuff you find at the local new corner store, the best CBD, there's only one place to find it. That's at Doctors Trusted CBD. 
Go to DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Browse around. You'll be shocked at how much they have. Use the code JESSE while you're there. That gets you free shipping and 10% off. Daniel Turner coming up in 10 minutes. Going to talk to us about John Kerry, the climate change stuff that is coming if Biden is sworn in. Turner's always good at breaking that down. But first, the culture, the culture that we've lost. Now, we need to take it back, but we have lost it completely. You can make a mistake, though. And thinking, well, we lost. That sucks. Let's start taking it back. And the mistake you make when you think like only that is you forget there's always something else they want. Remember this. As I have told you a thousand times, leftism is not, I repeat, It is not a political ideology. It is a religion of domination. Leftists do not look at anything, nothing, and say to themselves, oh, we don't need to go there. Oh, let's not worry about that. Oh, there's no place for us there. Every single thing, everything, they want it all. Why do you think they've carved our military up? And they have from the inside. You don't realize it yet, and you won't until we have to fight our next major war, and then you'll realize we're sitting on painted rust because of all this inclusive crap in our military. Well, they were always going for the military. Why do you think I had to leave my church about six months ago in the wake of St. George Floyd's killing? Pastor gets up and gives a long sermon on my white privilege. I'm gone. Never be back. Do you think leftists look at your church and say to themselves, your synagogue, your mosque, do you think they look at it and say to themselves, wow, let's leave that alone? (laughs) No. No, they don't. No, they don't. And I'll tell you something else that's difficult to hear. They want your kids, too. And they're coming for them. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to let you know they're coming for them. Why do you think? Why do you think they've started to promote the system itself on national television? Why do you think they've started to promote child drag queens? And just so you don't think, I'm, I'm caught in some internet bubble here. Remember, this poor abused kid, Desmond is his name. He came out dancing in drag on Good Morning America as the hosts clapped like seals. Dance for us, young man. Dance for us. Isn't that so cute? 
they're coming for your kids in ugly ways. Believe me, they are. Human Rights Watch, this is from the Post Millennial. Human Rights Watch Watch issued a submission to the special reporter on the right to privacy, Professor John Kanatachi, that states they're concerned with the privacy rights of children and issues related to their independence and autonomy. The submission, quote, focuses on the importance of privacy for children with respect to their sexual and reproductive health and rights, physical and emotional well-being in school, safety in the online space, and protection of their information online. Human Rights Watch calls for children to have, quote, access to confidential, adolescent, responsive, and non-discriminatory reproductive and sexual health information and services available, including safe abortion services. That was a lot of words. Let me break it down for you. This is already happening in school districts across the country. You need to make sure it's not happening in yours. The leftist monsters, they want to be able to teach your children about changing their gender. They want to be able to teach your children, go have an abortion. We don't have to tell your parents. They want to be able to teach your children about doing adult things with other children. This is not something that only exists in some crazy right-wing blog somewhere. This is already happening here in the United States of America. And this is only the beginning. They have always wanted your children. And there's a reason they've waited, with the exception of the education system, which they were smart enough to take over years ago. There's a reason they've waited so long before they took this step. Because if they didn't slowly work you into it, they knew you would freak because children are something people will die for. People will kill for. They've waited. And now it's coming. It is coming. And you need to watch it like a hawk and don't make this mistake because I've seen friends and family make this mistake before people say to themselves often, wow, that maybe, in, maybe in, maybe in some big city liberal enclave, certainly not here. I'm out here in, uh, I'm, I'm out here in rural Montana. Ain't ever going to happen here. I hear it here in Texas all around me. Ah, oh, Jesse, yeah, maybe in San Francisco, maybe some, maybe some place, maybe some place like Austin here in Texas, but this here's Texas. It's never going to happen here, brother. We have a high school here. Town of a little over 50,000. We have a high school here. They just last year had transgender day in their high school. You think your location makes you immune from these things. Again, let me circle back and repeat. Leftists 
are not going to stay in the cities. They're not going to stay on the university campus in Hollywood and the federal bureaucracy in the Democratic Party. They do not look at your rural area of Texas, Oklahoma, Montana, Alabama, New York, or anywhere else and say to themselves, well, just let them have it. We'll take the city and they can take the country. That's not how they think. And because that's often how you think and how I think, we do that perfectly natural human thing and we put that on someone else. I'm sure that mentality is like mine because I don't know about you. When it comes to kids, I don't want kids abused anywhere. But when it comes to other things people do in their home, dude, that's your, I'm a big mind your own business guy. What you do with your wife and your body and drugs, whatever you want to do in your home, you keep it in your home. That's a mind your own business guy. They don't think like that. They look at your home and think to themselves, what's he doing in there? What do I approve of? What do I not approve of? How can I get in there? I want in there so I can control it. That's how they think. It is a religion of domination. Not only a religion, a religion of domination. They want it all. And I'm telling you now, you're going to see it ramp up over this next four years faster than you can imagine. They're coming for your kids. Hang on. Joining me now, Power the Future's very own Daniel Turner. Daniel Turner, I feel like people forget about John Kerry. They know the name, of course. Everyone knows who he is. But you forget this freaking guy is always lurking back there like a pimple on your back. Tell us about John Kerry. Wait, who are we talking about right now? John Kerry is the guy that when he picks up his kids from soccer practice, they're like, oh, crap, I wish it was mom instead. (laughs) No one in the world has ever said, thank God John Kerry is on the case. Now the problem will be solved. You know, in a way, he's a lot like Joe Biden. These are guys who have been in D.C. for literally decades. I mean, Joe Biden's been in D.C. 50 years. Uh, John Kerry just a little bit less. And they've really accomplished Absolutely nothing. Um, And so, you know, I will say this, picking John Kerry to be some climate czar shows that Joe Biden has absolutely no original thought. And what we'll see for his four years of administration will be what we saw for eight years of Obama, just rehashed socialism light. What does he, what does the, uh, people forget about the czars. What does that mean? Okay, he's Joe Biden. If Joe Biden gets sworn in, John Kerry is his climate czar. What does that mean? What does he do? I wish this is where the GOP, and you know, you tweet about this quite a bit, Jesse, and and, and I admire you for it because I know it gets you some heat. This is where I wish the GOP had a little bit more backbone, a lot of bit more backbone, and said, um, these are unaccountable positions that are really unconstitutional. We, we, 
created the, our founders created the system of government so that anyone who has authority to either pass some sort of regulation, spend some sort of money, has to be accountable to the, the people. And we do that because we're a republic. We do that through our elected representatives. A czar bypasses all that. So this Yahoo is going to have an office in D.C. He'll have budget uh, appropriated from some, you know, like like financial finaglings. And really what he's going to do is he's going to go around the world. He's going to have these very, very fancy conferences, always at the Four Seasons, right, or the mm-hmm. Ritz-Carlton. Um, yeah, he's going to talk about, you know, the poor, but he's not going to go visit the poor. You know why? Because the poor have shit, have, have, oh, I almost cursed. The poor have crappy wine. They have terrible food. So he's never going to go to the Congo and have a conference on climate change. He'll go to Geneva and talk about the Congo, and he'll stay at the Ritz-Carlton. And that will be what we'll do for four years, and he will bypass all sort of accountability. He'll bypass oversight, and he's just going to be a, a thorn in the, in the side of energy workers for the next four years. Tell me, I've always firmly believed, and you're welcome to shoot holes in this, I've believed that climate change cult is is split into the powerful people who know they can use it to gain more power and the people who legitimately, legitimately believe it. They're wrong, but they legitimately believe it. And I'm sure there are some people who mix between the two. What is John Kerry? Does he believe it? No, I think John Kerry is in the camp that he believes it because it allows him to have some power and some authority. Um, And I think that's the majority of people. Um, I include almost every elected representative. The people who probably are true climate climate change activists are those scholarly types who write books and they work for a group like NOAA, right, the the Oceanic Association. Um, And they're nerds. They're, they're, they're climatologists, they're scientists, and they probably look at numbers and charts. But, you know, the, the, the proof of the fact that climate change is a political farce is you need to look at the solutions that they put in place. And every solution grows the size of government and makes them more powerful. It's always about regulation. It's about taxation. It's about creating these these committees that will authorize the use thereof, et cetera. It's about entering into big globalist treaties. Um, or what we're going to see in the Biden administration, it is about compelling governors and mayors to buy solar panels and wind turbines And you have to ask who sits on the board of these companies. I mean, quite frankly, not to sound like a lunatic, we know Hunter Biden sits on the board of some of these Chinese companies, right? So when when Joe and Kerry says, oh, I think it's our best recommendation that now Houston gets 10 percent of its energy from solar panels. All right. Well, the mayor of Houston's got to start putting up solar panels. Where is he going to buy them from? And what company is going to get that contract? And who's on the board of that company? And the board of that company, who do they give campaign contributions to? Right? I mean, it is a circle love fest that, that is so corrupt and so dirty, and John Kerry is going to be part of it. He's, he's the ringleader of it. Do people actually want this stuff? I I know we live in a shame society where everyone has to say these days, oh, I believe in man-made climate change. I I want a solar panel on my home. I I get that people say it, but psychologize people for me, Daniel. You know know more about this stuff than anybody. Do they actually believe it? If they believe it. 
would have to reflect it in their personal life, right? There is no such thing as social justice. There is individual justice, and you need to be a just person. So if you really want to eradicate racism, you need to make sure in your life you are not doing anything racist. That's not good enough for you to say, I hate the idea, right? You need to live it. If you want to really combat climate change, you need to live it in your life. So here's one example that's as easy as pie. One of the best-selling things right now is the new – you have kids, Jesse. Is that the new PlayStation, the new Wii, the new – I forget what it is, the PS21, right? Video game streaming uses twice as much energy as your refrigerator. If you've got a 14-year-old pain-in-the-neck kid who's always babbling on about climate change, you tell that kid, you know what, to fight climate change, you're not going to stream any more video games. Not only that, Netflix and streaming services like Hulu use twice as much energy as your refrigerator as well. Now, you need your refrigerator to eat, so we can't get rid of that. But do you need Netflix? Do you need Hulu? Do you need Pandora, Spotify, TikTok? So if your kid is like, I want to fight climate change, Dad, I want to be a climate change activist, great. Reflect it in your personal life. And if you are not willing to give up Halo and Call of Duty, then just keep your damn mouth shut, kid, because now the adults are talking. Now, hold on, Daniel. I think oil is evil. Are you telling me that I can't tweet that from my iPhone? Exactly. Right. You know, I nothing makes me laugh harder than the than the like the house the housewife, you know, the hot little housewife in her Lululemon pants with her water bottle and her yoga mat complaining about climate change because her water bottle and her yoga mat and her Lululemon pants all come from oil. Right? <laughs> and, and so <laughs> So when you say we're going to get rid of oil, I say, well, you, let's start with you, sweetheart, and let's start with how you live your life. And if you're not willing to change the way you live your life, then you have no right to tell that guy in Midland, Texas, who's busting his butt on an oil rig, that he has to quit his job. Daniel Turner, Power of the Future. Appreciate you, my man. Happy, happy day, Jesse. Love talking to you. You too, bud. Okay. The system. The system is about to start pushing something. They're going to push it hard. You're just getting a little whisper of it right now, and this is how it starts. What they do is they choose a narrative. They'll just kind of sprinkle it out there a little. But that's the beginning. What it is is it's like the signal they're sending to everyone else. Hey, everybody, listen. This is what we're going to be on now for a little while. This is how they set narratives. They did this with coronavirus very early on. The entire system, everyone's going to die, go home, hide in your home, 15 days, flatten the curve. Ah! The system is about to start selling you on something else. And once I tell you what it is, once I show you what it is, you're going to get a great deal of amusement watching them do it. Hang on a sec. I'll tell you what it is. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, 
They call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Are you ready for this breaking news? This is going to shock you. CNN exclusive. I'm reading this verbatim. This is from the lead on CNN. This is a CNN exclusive, okay? It's huge. Vast trove of leaked documents show China underreported the COVID-19 numbers, took weeks to diagnose new cases and didn't disclose a December flu spike. Oh my goodness. If you can't trust China, who can you trust? Hold on. I mean, this is an exclusive. I just want to make sure I'm giving credit where it's due. China's lied about this whole thing? I'll tell you, Chris, if I had known they were capable of doing something like this earlier, man, just when you think you know a guy. Let me explain what the system is about to do, because it's going to be intentional. This is going to be very intentional. This is shot number one of what will be more shots than you can possibly count in the coming weeks and months. You ready? Coronavirus. It was used, everybody knows this, I'm not breaking news, it was used by the system to destroy Donald Trump. That's what it was. They don't care They don't care about 200,000 dead, they don't care about your grandma, they don't care about the economy, they don't care about anything. It was used to destroy Donald Trump. They laughed and laughed and laughed as they wrecked this economy and wrecked this nation and as people died because easy to blame Trump for it. Trump's fault. Trump, 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 Trump. China virus. Get serious. You're the one that killed everybody. Donald Trump has personally killed over 200,000 people. Now that it looks like we're going to have President Joe Biden The system is going to start hammering something home for you, and you're going to see article after article after article. Chris, make sure you record this segment because we're going to play it back as it becomes true. There's a reason people call me the Oracle. I'm actually the only person who calls me the Oracle, but it's still a sweet nickname, and I'm hanging on to it, Chris. (laughs) 
This is about to happen. They're all going to start blaming China loudly now. Why are they going to blame China? Because the economy is shaky at best. And more people are going to start dying as cold and flu season ramps up. Well, if Joe Biden is sworn in as president of the United States, you have an economy, a bubble that very well may pop. You have people dying in the hospital. We have to find someone to blame. And it can't be Joe Biden This virus is about to become the China virus. The system is going to push it. You're going to have experts in every federal bureaucracy testifying before Congress about China this and China that. And here's what China did. You're going to have every single cable news show. Did you hear that China lied? Did you hear this originated in China? I can't believe China. China, China, China. They're not doing this because they're anti-China. They're all very pro-China. They're doing this because just like it happened under Barack Obama, it's time for the system to lock shields and protect the Democrat. They do it every single time. This time is no different. The system is going to shift its messaging. And I don't want you to think, I don't want you to think they're going to sit around in a, in a smoky room, smoking cigars, and they've decided all together they're going to do this. These people aren't smart enough to coordinate something like that. That's why most conspiracies are crap. People are idiots. Not only are people idiots, nobody can keep a secret. It's me and like what other guy on the planet. People just have this need to talk. I talk for a living and I don't feel the need to talk. It would be funny if you were at a party with me. You know, we go to these big neighborhood get-togethers and things like that. I'm the quiet one. I I just sit, have a beer, watch and listen. I like it that way. I don't feel the need to fill quiet space with talking. So these people aren't coordinating. However... One person says it. And then, of course, there is some coordination. The Democratic Party will send out a, a, a memo to this friendly reporter. Hey, we'd love to start, we'd love to start pushing the China angle of this because these numbers are starting to look bad. And then that reporter says that another reporter looks over and says, Oh, that's right. Well, that'll help Jill. I think I'll report on it too. And then this Democrat politician sees what the reporters are saying and they're thinking, that's that's smart messaging. I think I'll say it too. And soon, the entire system is saying the same thing. That's why they're all always saying the same thing all the time. Coronavirus is going to kill everyone. Go home and lock down. America is racist. All the black people are oppressed. We need reparations. The virus, it was Trump's fault, Trump's fault, Trump's fault. What? Biden maybe won? This is China's fault. Every single time. Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. 
Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. We still have BK coming up next hour to talk about the rough men who drink beer out of the prosthetic legs of Taliban. Chris, is it weird? Is it is it somehow bigoted that I didn't know they had prosthetics over there? I just assumed the Taliban had sticks or something like that. Look at them modernizing. How about that? On top of oppressing women and kids. Good for you guys. Good for you. That away. Feel free to step into the 21st century. I can't believe those guys are going to run that country. Eh, they really are bad people. Really are bad people. But remember this. It only does good to talk about the system if you are educating family and friends about the system. Doesn't mean you have to be leftist at the party guy. Did you hear what Trump did? Ah! But talk to family and friends about the system so they're not manipulated. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. We got BK coming up here this hour. He's going to give us, he's one of these fancy spec op types. He's going to give us the lowdown. Are all these guys Captain America with perfect teeth and no tattoos and yes, ma'am, and no, sir? Or has he ever chugged a beer out of somebody's prosthetic limb? Gosh, that's creepy. I have had some emails and you're welcome to email me, remember. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I want you to know, while I am obviously the shogun, Chris, meaning I'm above everyone else, 
Well, on the Shogun, I do read every single email. Everyone. I am not going to respond. I have too many. I'm way too busy. But I get every single email. And I read them. Email away. And remember, this may be new for our WRKO Boston listeners, which we love. On Friday, let me explain. Friday's show here is a little different. I mean, the whole show is a little different anyway. But Friday, we do Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. That means I pretend I'm a doctor. And look, I have almost three years of community college credit. So I'm practically already a doctor. And you email questions to me or call in with questions to me. And I answer them, and I need to be clear about this. They do not, under any circumstances, need to be political questions. On Friday, we keep it as light and fun as humanly possible. There's enough crap to focus on throughout the week. If you want to talk about apples versus pizza, we can do so. You want to talk about relationships, vacations, countries, history, or politics, all that's fine. But that's a long way of saying email your questions in now because we keep them in chronological order. We keep them in chronological order. If you want to email them in, we won't throw it away. Chris prints them off. He has an Ask Dr. Jesse question stack. And that's what drives our show on Friday. So as low as your standards are right now listening to the show, believe it or not, you're going to have to lower them just a bit more for Friday's show. (laughs) What else are we going to do? You want to talk about Biden's foot? Let's Let's be clear about something. Biden broke his foot walking the dog. And it made a little news blurb. Obviously, the system's going to bury that pretty quickly. And it's not, look, there's not some huge controversy to talk about. An old man out walking his dog breaks his foot. Remember, I got a stress fracture on my foot not long ago, Chris. And, I mean, was it the greatest feat of human strength ever to come keep doing my show? Probably. Maybe. You talk about Medal of Honor Monday. How about handing one this way? Anyway. But it is something to keep your eye on. The Joe Biden... Medical stuff is going to be something you're going to want to watch. Because there's this funny thing about Joe Biden, if he's sworn in as president. This is funny thing. His entire presidential campaign, everybody knew on both sides, on both sides, everybody knew Joe Biden cannot physically and or mentally do this job for four years. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in presidential politics. It was one of these things everybody knew, and because everybody knew it, it didn't ever become a huge deal. I mean, we joked about it. You joked about it. I joked about it. We'll joke about it for four years if he's sworn in, making fun of all the dumb things he says. But everybody really, everyone knows. This is a man who is degenerating before our eyes. You look at Joe Biden of even vice president when he was under Barack Obama. 
That is not the same person we are looking at right now by a long shot. This man is degenerating, and that I'm actually not making fun of him for because none of us get out alive. Father time is coming for all of us one day. All of us, every single one of us. It's just the way it is. I know you look at me now like I'm some demigod, and I'm not going to say you're what, Chris? Not going to say you're wrong. Believe it or not, even me, one day I will be old and broken down and I'm going to check out of here. Joe Biden is degenerating before our eyes. Everyone knew it and just kind of accepted it. But what we'll see now is these little stories pop up and what it's going to do, you watch, Chris. It's going to create all these extra conspiracy theories on the right. Every single time something happens to Joe Biden, it's going to be, are they trying to push him out? Did Democrats do it? Everyone knows Kamala Harris was the one who had the backing of Barack Obama in the primary. Don't you remember how weird that was? Joe Biden couldn't get Barack Obama's endorsement during the primary. Just spent eight years as his vice president, and Barack Obama does not risk any political capital whatsoever endorsing Biden right away. Because everybody, even though you want Obama's endorsement if you're a Democrat, everyone would acknowledge, well, yeah, I mean, that's his vice president. Of course he's going to do that. He risks nothing and still wouldn't do it until everyone was gone and all of Obama's people started backing Kamala. And it was one of those things that was like the worst kept secret in D.C. that Obama likes Kamala. Obama's Obama's push, pushing for Kamala. And now Biden gets elected, packs his administration with, with Barack Obama's people, and Kamala Harris is just sitting there licking her chops. Oh, what's that? Something happened to Joe? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, <clears throat> what? what's that? Something happened to Joe? Is he okay? Oh, it was just his foot. I mean, oh, dang. That's good news. It was just his foot. <laughs> you know, Kamala Harris, what Joe Biden fell? Ah, just a foot, huh? Just a foot. But these stories, they're going to continue because... At that age, you don't wake up one day at that age, and all of a sudden, everything just gets right again. Your body, the body God gave you, is temporary. It's going to break down. It ain't made to last forever, and you don't want it to last forever. We, at some point in time, should check out of here before we're pooping our diapers again, right? Isn't that what you want? I do. If you missed our history segment at the beginning of the show, the battle of Islandiwana between the British troops and the Zulus, make sure you download the podcast. Chris podcasts every show. It's a regular nationally syndicated, not to brag or anything, Chris, radio show, but the whole show's podcasted within an hour or so after the show. It's on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. And listen, this is important. If you listen on iTunes, hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, 
talking about how handsome I am. And yes, I realize we have lots of new listeners. People have actually been doing this for a long time because we've encouraged them to do so because it drives management crazy. And now we have over 400 of these comments talking about it. And it's the funniest freaking thing to go down and read through the comments. (laughs) I love you guys. (laughs) All right. We're going to talk about this L.A. County supervisor and why you and I deserve this. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. I like companies that do the work for me. When I'm looking to purchase from somewhere, I want you to make it easier for me. And if you don't, I'll find somebody who will. That's why I'm so impressed with Doctors Trusted CBD Company. They went out and researched the entire CBD industry and picked the best ones. That's why they teamed up with Be Best Organics. Be Best Organics, they test every batch. Not once a year, once a month. Oh, let's just do it here. Every single batch they test to make sure it's the purest, best CBD out there. Plus, it's made in the USA. And you can't imagine how many products are at DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Go. Go. You'll find lip balm there. Go. They have products for you. DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you free shipping and 10% off. You're actually very brave because you're doing something. The media doesn't want to talk about it. They know how fraudulent this is. It's no different than Hunter. It's no different than Hunter. They don't want to talk about Hunter. So they totally closed it off. Big tech and the media, other than the New York Post, as you remember, which took a lot of heat. It was terminated. It was terminated from, I guess, Twitter, maybe Facebook. Uh, But uh, it's a a situation the likes of which – We don't have freedom of the press in this country. We have suppression by the press. They suppress. You know, you can't have a scandal if nobody reports about it. This is the greatest fraud in the history of our country from an electoral standpoint. It might be. It might be. I, I don't understand. The people on the right who are racing, absolutely racing, to just say there was no fraud. This is all legitimate. Well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You can argue about how much fraud there was, and let me be clear about something. There are all kinds of totally bunk claims out there that have already been disproven 
There's all kinds of bad information out there about, oh, this, this thing happened and that thing happened. So I'm not saying believe everything you see and read. Do not. There's bad information out there anywhere. But let me be clear. There was no fraud is the most baseless, absurd conspiracy theory out there right now by a mile. Of course there was fraud. There's fraud in every election. The question is, how much of it was there? And did it change the election? We know these things happen. This is not a guess. These things happen. These things have always happened. Are we really naive enough to believe? Wow, I mean, this was the first election ever where they got it all right. Come on, man. Come on. You don't actually believe that. And if you're one of these D.C. pundits on the right, we all know what you're doing when you're trying to sell people on that, bud. We all know what you're doing. You wanted Trump gone. You hate Trump, and more than hating Trump, you hate Trump's base because they took all the influence you had away, and now... You're more than just somebody without influence. Now you're one of the worst things you can be. Now you're a punchline. You used to have so much influence. Now everybody just straight up mocks you to your face. And that creates a real resentment. That creates hatred. So now when the election's over, you're out there trying to sell people on things that aren't true. There was no fraud. That's such an idiotic thing to say. Headline. Democrats face accusations of fraud in House race after 28,000 vote lead on election night is erased by a judge in mail-in ballots. A New York congressional race, this is from Washington Examiner, a New York congressional race came down to a judge personally reviewing the individual spoiled ballots, resulting in the Democrat incumbent erasing his nearly 30,000 vote deficit to take a 13-vote lead in declaring victory. I was born at night, but not last night. Don't. What's that old saying? How do I edit this for terrestrial family radio? Don't pee down my back and tell me it's rain. I know what's going on here. This stuff does happen. This stuff does happen. And when it comes to the D.C. pundit class, who I was just slapping around, and I'll get to this L.A. County supervisor in a second. And I'll get to this election expert out of Arizona. With, uh, we have a soundbite out of this election expert. My word, it was, whoo. I'll get to him in a few minutes too. But I was talking about the D.C. pundit class type. I'm talking about these writers for these national publications. And you see them on cable news. They'll come on as pundits. And it's always, you know, conservative pundit. And he was up there for four years talking about how Trump is a disaster and he's ruining the GOP and we just need to get rid of him. And I had a long talk with my friend the other night about this. And we were, we were trying to psychologize who these guys are, what these guys are. What do you get out of this? Because now they've moved on to just openly aiding Democrats, talking down to all the Republicans they know. 
And here, we seem to forget that people who write things, people who talk on the radio, people who talk on TV, they don't seem real because this is such a digital world now. You read their words on paper. You see them speak on TV, but they're just separate beings, right? These guys are just humans. They're almost all guys in their 40s and 50s, in some case 60s. They're people who, in Washington, D.C. circles, have enjoyed, greatly enjoyed, 15, 20 years of not only money, that's part of it, we'll get back to that in a second, they've enjoyed influence. And this is what I mean by influence. One time, I've told this story before, I was just starting to come up in radio and, and, and I hadn't even gotten my TV show yet. But I got invited, and this was only because I knew a guy who knew a guy. I got invited on a cruise. I didn't end up going because Hurricane Harvey hit and I couldn't fly out. But I get invited on this cruise, and this is what the cruise was. They were going to fly me. No cost to me. And I was going to bring my wife along, me and my wife. They were going to fly me first class to Europe, where they were then going to put me on a cruise ship for a World War II cruise. And it was a World War II cruise with a bunch of other fancy conservative authors. You would know their names if I told you, but I'm not going to do that. No charge to me. Those guys who were on that cruise not only get to go on that cruise, all those author types, what are you experiencing on that cruise? You're not paying for a meal. You're not paying for a drink. You're surrounded by people hanging on your every word. Let's pretend like I was one of those guys. Jesse, what do you think about this? Jesse, can I buy you a drink? Oh, Jesse, can you can you take a picture with me and my wife? Jesse, you're so smart. Jesse, you're so this. Jesse, you're so that. And don't discount the human ego. I'm not the only one with a massive one, especially for dudes. That feels good. It feels good. You want to be respected and admired, right? Feels good. Feels better than being someone everyone ignores. Can I get your autograph? Can I get a picture? Pretty girl running up to you. Can I get a picture for my Instagram? Feels good. And once you lose that, why do you think people cling to fame so hard? Once you lose that, once you've tasted it and then lose it, that hurts worse than never having had it. So now where are you? You're just a writer everybody laughs at. The influence is gone. No one wants to be like you anymore. No one wants those pictures anymore. Now you're just out chasing a dollar wherever you can get it. All right, BK talking to us about spec op stuff. Hang on.
Joining me now, as he does every Tuesday at this time, host of the World News with BK podcast, former Air Force PJ Super Ninja type. BK, I have a headline here that is going to absolutely stun you. So I want to make sure you're sitting down for this. You're you're probably going to find this offensive and stunning. Are you ready? I'm ready. Give it to me. Australian soldier caught drinking out of a Taliban (laughs) fighter's prosthetic leg. Can you believe this kind of thing goes on out there? Oh no! Yeah, I know. This is I, I. You know what? It's funny. Right, right before you called me to get on, I was actually looking, obviously, on the podcast and filling in for you, Jesse. I covered that story about the Australian report about the SAS quite heavily. Some of the stuff they did was bad for sure. This is not one of them. I I couldn't care less about drinking out of a prosthetic leg of some guy who's trying to kill you. Good for him. I don't. I have argued, and I argued it loudly at the beginning of this show, I think this is a Hollywood culture problem and that we genuinely think these types who do the types of things you do, we think they don't have tattoos and they don't cuss and they certainly, they everybody, everything is yes ma'am and no sir. And they, and they only have one woman they've loved their entire lives and they don't tell dirty jokes and they just certainly don't drink. And I, it's, it's absurd the notion we put on these guys. It takes rough dudes to do this stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They want, like, they think these, they, they want these guys who, you know, go into these villages and kill people in often very close and brutal, intimate ways to have, like, the same, like, politics as, like, the Berkeley faculty lounge. It cracks me up every single time. And I'm like, dude, you send guys like that to war for, you know, three, four, five, six deployments. And you tell them to go do these killings. You tell them to kill all these people. And then you're shocked when they start to maybe get a little taste of it or get a little bit jaded. And uh, I really blame the country who sent these guys on this mission with no clear end in sight far more than I do them. BK, what type of guy goes the extra mile and does what you did? I mean, it's, it's look, I like, I like all service. I certainly am partial to grunts because that's what I was. But this special service, obviously, it's so brutal to even get in. And then the life when you're in is as brutal as the training. Why? What type of guy does it? Uh, you know, <laughs> I wish there was the right answer I could give you because you just can't pigeonhole it. You know, I've seen I've seen like huge jack dudes give up and quit. And I've seen like these little scrawny guys who ended up doing 10 years with uh, Delta Force. You know, I mean, it's just there's just like no rhyme or reason to it. Um, it's it's just it's just funny how it works out. And but I will tell you, Jesse, that what you probably are afraid of is happening all across the board. And that is like I was just happened to be at a Thanksgiving dinner at a Navy special warfare member's house. And he was just telling me, like at Bud's, you know, the the Navy SEAL intro school. You know, they're only allowed to give them so many push-ups now, and there's, like, all oh. these hard rules. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you don't it's, – it's happening all across the board. Um, it's not just one service branch. It's everywhere. And this is because – I don't know exactly the reason. It's almost like a religious cult of some kind to me because none of that really makes sense. It's just a you. It seems like there is a universal commitment across the nation that obviously infected the military as well – 
to lower the standards of the entire United States of America. That's honestly, that's what it seems like for everything. I mean, we just saw it with that the kicker thing at Vanderbilt, getting special teams player of yeah. the week for a 30-yard squib kick. It's the, the world seems to only want to celebrate failure and not success now. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's like it's like it's it's almost like people hate an elite group of any kind, and you see this in some of these schools that are now getting rid of standards. I saw in Virginia a recent uh, very very highly regarded school uh, was forced to pretty much scrap all their entrance exams, and it's like they all want us to be like equally dumb, equally slow, equally uh, physically incapable. Um, you know, and there's always going to be that segment of society, but we should celebrate and push people to be part of those elite groups. Instead, it seems like we're doing the opposite, which really bothers me. BK, tell people about Delta Force. People don't know. It's so mysterious because, frankly, the guys don't they don't make movies about them. They don't. The guys all don't get out and write books. They're so quiet. Tell people what they are, what they do. Well, you know what? Shoot, I I wish I knew more about them. I mean, mm-hmm. the only connection I had with them was, you know, I I was lucky enough to be when I was still in the military. I actually uh, had a connection to the recruiter there, and it's very mysterious. You know, everybody's on a first name basis. Everybody's like, "Hey, dial this number and leave a message, and somebody will get back to you." You know, <laughs> and it's just it's very it's very cloak and dagger. And once you go to that unit, you know, you really like disappear for a while, and you're just. Uh, you know, traveling all over the world. It's definitely the elite of the elite. And I've, I've, I'm lucky to have a few friends who are, uh, you know, at around that unit. And uh, it's it's the best of the best. No question about it. Did you ever consider it? I did. I did. I, I ended up, unfortunately, um, getting like having some injury problems. And I was not able to continue with my military career, which is what I was super bummed about. But, you know, what are you going to do? Did you end up having disgusting turkey for Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, I did. Unfortunately, I actually talked when I was filling in for you. I actually, this is one of the few times I actually kind of think you're kind of right because your point about the, your point about never ordering turkey except on Thanksgiving is a solid point. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't go, you never go to a restaurant and be like, you know, oh well, what? How's the turkey today? <laughs> it just never, it never even happens. <laughs> so I do kind of agree with you that. That being said, I still will eat the turkey, the dark meat, the mashed potatoes. Come on now, bro. No. No, it, you know what this is? This is the three musketeers argument. The, the candy itself has no case to still exist anymore. And you know how you know? Because you get one of those big assortment bowls of candy in every single office. And what's the last thing remaining every time? It's 20 pieces of three musketeers because the public has chosen the turkey. I don't know who's still holding this industry up, but it blows me away. I think part of it also is like turkey's kind of a challenge to cook, and maybe that's part of it. Like it's such a it's it's a pain, especially in the oven. Like the deep fryer's easy, but my brother goes deep fryer every year, and I'm like, well, anybody can deep fry a turkey. Cooking a turkey in an oven is like an art. I'd probably be good at it if I wanted to try, but I don't want to try. BK, all right, BK, host of World News with BK. I appreciate you, my man. Thanks, Jesse. This LA County supervisor. It's not often I say this, Chris, about scumbag leftists, especially scumbag leftists who've done something really dirty. I kind of admire the balls. And you know what? Like I told you earlier, I see what this L.A. County supervisor did, and I blame us. Not you individually, 
not me individually, but as a society, I see this and I blame us. The truth is this, and people don't like to say this because it makes makes people uncomfortable and it gives you uncomfortable thoughts and, ooh, I don't like where that could end up. But here is the truth, and this is the truth. Who's afraid of who? Is your government, are they afraid of you? Or are you afraid of your government? We talked earlier about the jail, the fines, the losing of the licenses. And that's really the answer you'll get when you ask people, why don't you just open? I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And those are legitimate. I'm not saying don't be. But let me ask you something. Are they afraid of you? You know that they should be, right? The way they conduct themselves, though, do they conduct themselves like they're afraid of you? Or do they conduct themselves like you're a witless, helpless stooge? We're going to play you some amazing election fraud audio from an election expert, and we're going to talk about what I'm talking about. Hang on. out catch up jessikellyshow.com wake up and text text and eat Mm-mm. text and catch the bus text and miss your stop wait 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 wait, wait. text and be late to work sorry i'm late text and work text and pretend to work Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. If you could just tell us in your... um in the simplest way possible, as an expert, what is your opinion as to the validity of the numbers that were certified today by the Secretary of State and the governor about this election? If I was an executive at a publicly traded company, I would never sign that because I risk jail time and having all my money taken from me in lawsuits. So to answer your question, I would never, ever have certified. I'd rather resign than have certified those results. Mm. Mm. That is not exactly mincing words at an official hearing. There's a lot of smoke out there. 
I, I understand that the entire system is telling me to shut up, be quiet, go away, don't question anything. Everything's good. But there's a lot of smoke out there. And I'm not one of these ones who thinks we're going to actually get answers. I'm not. I don't think we're ever going to get to the bottom of it at all. At all. I just don't have enough faith that the system can go after itself in that way. But don't tell me there was none. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now. L.A. County Supervisor dines at restaurant hours after voting to ban outdoor dining. This is from FoxLA.com. Just hours after Los Angeles County Supervisor Sheila Cool voted to ban outdoor dining at L.A. County's 31,000 restaurants over COVID-19 safety concerns, she visited a restaurant in Santa Monica where she dined outdoors. I'm not going to go into any more details. I don't care. I just simply want to say, I I know this makes this uncomfortable, but this is a person who's not afraid of you. When you do things like this, when you treat people like this, you're not afraid. You don't think you're going to be recalled. You don't think you're going to get bounced in the next election. You don't think there's going to be an angry mob screaming at you as you go into the office or out in front of your home. When you do things like this, you are actually telling everybody, I don't respect my voters at all. And you know what? I defend her because as I've told you several times, several times, and I always will, don't. Tell me what you believe. Show me what you believe. You're angry about what these scumbags have done to our economy and small businesses and restaurants and things like that? You should be. You're angry about the hypocrisy? Close your restaurant. Oh, you can't even down outside. You can't even dine outside. Excuse me. I got a reservation for three outside across town. You're angry about that? Stop telling me. Show me. Or you're not that angry. That person, that person should have a protest out in front of her office right now. Signs, screaming. That person should be in danger of being recalled. That person should know from this news story, that person should already know, I will not win my re-election campaign, period. People are that mad. But, oops. Oops. Maybe that person isn't scared of you at all. Maybe she's not scared of me at all. How many of these people have to do these things before something's done about it? I keep hearing so much about angry. I'm angry. He's angry. You're angry. I'm mad, mad, mad. Should be. Absolutely. Show me. 
We don't like to talk about that because it brings up uncomfortable things, but it's the truth. We have a great, great show tomorrow. The cable news industry. I'm in, I'm involved in it. Like I, I have my own TV show. It's on the first. I'm right. It's on every single Monday through Friday. I'm so I'll, I'll be talking about myself. There is a cable news crisis coming. You can argue it's a good thing. You can argue it's a bad thing. But there is one coming, and we're going to break it down tomorrow, why it's coming and what it's going to look like and why it probably applies to your business too, to your industry too. Don't forget you can email me with hate mail, with love mail. Well, not... Not love mail. Don't don't send me love mail. Let's 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 not do that. Remember, all these emails go to Chris first, please. Here they go to Chris, and he prints them out. You can email me your ask Dr. Jesse questions. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. How mad are you really? How mad are you really? Remember, the whole show is podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. Leave a five-star review on iTunes. Talk about talk about how handsome I am. If you want to call me things like the Shogun or Oracle or use my middle name, Steel. You know what's crazy, Chris? One of these days, I'm going to actually officially change my middle name to Steel, and I'm going to have to take in the form, and the clerk or whatever at the county office is going to be. Are you serious? That's some absolutely serious. What are you talking about, lady? <laughs> Don't put down my nickname. All right, we got a wild show for you tomorrow. You, keep your chin up. We'll keep laughing. That's all.
Jesse Kelly Show. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. Over 80 walks, runs, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 